How many of y'all have seen Sweet Home Alabama? The last time I saw it, it was on TV, and so all the cussing was taken out. So when I watched it on DVD, I was kind of shocked. So be careful if you watch it on DVD. There is no cussing in the clips. Um, but I want you to see um, some interesting relationships between men and women. Watch this first clip. This meeting's running a little late. Tell me to take the inside so you wouldn't have to wait in the car. Where are we? You shouldn't be too long. Miss Carmichael, won't you come in? So, have you made a decision? About what? Ireland. Ireland, honey. <laughs> That's four months from now. I was thinking maybe two, three hundred guest talks. For Christmas? Andrew, are you on some sort of medication? What's going on? Where are we? Sure, because if you're not sure, we can just go back to the car. No, 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 it's no. only been eight months. I know I never do anything rash, and I usually never ask a question I don't already know the answer to. So, the risk of being rejected twice. I'm going to ask you again. Will you marry me? And they lived happily ever after, right? Right. Ladies, how many of you would give him an A plus for romance? And, and did he do well? Right. There's a slight problem. Actually, there's two slight problems. One problem is her last name is not Carmichael, as she told everybody. The second problem is she's already married to another man, so uh, they can't live happily ever after. A little bit of little bit of a, a complication. No. How did she get herself into this mess? The first short answer is it's a romantic comedy and almost every rom-com has this type of formula. The, the longer answer, and the reason I chose this movie today is that she and her husband never learned how to fight fair. If you do not learn how to fight fair, you're going to find yourself in all kinds of messes for the rest of your life. So in order to get us started today, I've got a couple of verses, one for the men, one for the women. We're going to use the men's verse first. This comes from God's word. Do not shoot the messenger. This is God's fault, not mine. Here's what it says in Proverbs 27, 15. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. And all the men said... 
hey, this group is actually smarter than the previous group. In the first service, they were like, amen. And I said, I said, how many of you men did not say anything? And there was one guy on the back over here. I said, you're the wisest man in the room. You didn't say Jack. Um, but you all understand whether you have had a, a nagging, um, contentious family member. We'll just say family member somewhere in your, in your family tree. You know that this manipulative, quarrelsome, nagging, critical person is no fun to be around, right? It's like this constant dripping and it, it drives you nuts. Now, ladies, I didn't want you to feel left out. So here's the verse for you. It is, it is better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who's a jerk. That is not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. That is Doug's version. Maybe it should be in the Bible, right, ladies? And all the ladies said? All right, we got a few amens on that one. Now, what I want you to understand today is every couple fights. And sometimes we fight over something that's really stupid and insignificant. Any of you ever fought over something stupid and insignificant? Any of you fight over something stupid and insignificant today? On the way to church? Not yet, not yet. Some of you will be sitting by yourself next week because you're going to fight over something stupid and insignificant. Now, in the first clip, Andrew and Melanie seem to have this great relationship, but it's based on a lie. Melanie had run away from her past. We're going to see that in a minute in another clip. She had run away from her past uh, to start over in New York City. But your past, if you don't deal with it, your past always jumps up and bites you. Her past comes and, and hits her in a big way. So she has to go back home and deal with her issues. And that's what happens in this next scene. Oh, he's loud, but he don't bite. Come on, shut up, hound. Lie down. Come on, stay. How can I help you? Give me a divorce. Come on, Jake. I mean it. The joke's over. Let's just finish this. I've got a plane to catch. Look. It's even got these idiot-proof tabs to make it easy. There's one copy for me, one copy for you, and one copy for the lawyers. What? Speak. You show up here after seven years without so much as a, hey there, Jake, remember me, your wife? Yeah. Ah, honey, looking good. How's the family? You expect me to tell you you look good? Ooh. Would they run out of soap down at the Piggly Wiggly since I left? Ooh. Ooh. They laugh at that up north or wherever it is you've been? Ooh. You knew where I was. Ooh. And don't even pretend you spent all this time missing me. Oh, I missed you all right. But at this range, Ooh. my aim is bound to improve. Is that a threat? I've got a lawyer Ooh. charges three fifty an hour. Ooh. He billed me every Ooh. time you Ooh. sent these papers back. Well, I'm glad to see Ooh. you finally got the Ooh. message. Shut Ooh. up, Baron. What happened to Bear? He died. You weren't here. What are you doing? Leaving? You done it? You should recognize the gesture. Can we just try to keep this as civilized as possible? Please sign these papers so I can go home. What do you know from home? I bet your folks don't even know you're in town. That's my business. Honey? Those people are the only family you got. Don't you honey me, honey. Get your butt back in that car, drive over and see them, and then maybe we'll talk. Jake! You dumb, stubborn 
They have a little bit of a history, don't they? You don't get that fired up with a complete stranger. They have to have some type of history. We'll find out more about it here in a minute. But what I want to look at is why do we fight in the first place? James, the the half-brother of Jesus, in in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he tells us why we fight. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So he's saying the reason we fight is we have evil desires inside of us. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have. You can't get it, and so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. The basic problem is you and I have an evil nature. And when someone um, or somebody complicates things or, or stands in the way of us getting what we want, we tend to strike out at those people, whether you're married or whether it's a working relationship or it's just some relative What causes fights is because we don't get our way, we want our way, we're stubborn, we're evil, we're selfish, and so we fight about it. Now, all couples are going to fight, but we need to understand the difference in a healthy couple and an unhealthy couple. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty, below the belt, name calling, bringing up things from the past, accusations. Healthy couples fight for resolution unhealthy couples fight for victory. If you always have to win, that says that you are insecure and immature. Now, there's a guy named John Gottman, Dr. John Gottman. He and his wife started this Institute for Families. It's actually for, for marriages and it's for how to, learning how to be a better parent. The thing, I don't even know if he's a Christian, but he is a scientist and he has scientifically documented some incredible things. One of the things that he studied was he studied certain couples for 16 years. There's very few studies that can, can stay with the same couples for 16 years and observe them. Specifically, what he observed was how these couples fought over 16 years. And he determined that he can watch them fight for five minutes and he can determine nine times out of 10, 91% accurate, whether they're going to divorce or not, simply by the way they fight, by watching them fight. He said, it's not if you fight, it's how you fight that's going to determine whether you succeed in marriage or not. And since we are Christ followers, Christ hates divorce, regardless of your past. This isn't a guilt thing about your past. This is all about your future. Christ hates divorce. We want to do everything we can to help you not be divorced in the future, no matter what your past is. Now, the problem is most of us have never been taught to fight fair. Christ followers need to fight fair. It is possible. Most of us watched our parents, and they probably weren't the most healthy parents. Maybe they were. My parents, for instance, fought with their words. They were very mean with their words, and I never, ever saw my parents resolve. I didn't see them um, ask for forgiveness. I did not uh, ever hear them say, I'm sorry. They had all kinds of unresolved conflict. They were married 67 years. I don't know how. I bet Dr. John uh, Gottlieb would, Gottman would have said they're going to divorce, but they stayed together for 67 years. So when I got married, I thought, I can't say what I'm thinking. <laughs> I married the most uh, beautiful, sensitive flower on the planet, and I cannot say those things that come into mind. She knows I'm thinking it. <laughs> and so d- only a fool would say, I might as well go ahead and say it if she knows I'm thinking it, Right? Because you cannot take your words back. Now, Janie was the opposite. Her parents, she never knew they fought at all. 
They never once had any type of disagreement in front of her. So when they got a divorce, she was shocked. She didn't know there was any problem because they would go behind closed doors and they would make sure the kids never, ever saw them fight. Neither one of those were healthy ways for a couple to handle conflict. And so we go into a marriage and whether we repeat that or whether we swing to the opposite side, there are problems in our marriage because we were trained by parents who didn't know how to fight fair. Does that make sense? So we want you to learn how to fight fair. Now, in this next scene, Melanie goes back home and, and it's one of my favorite scenes because her dad says, what put you in jail this time? I've actually heard those words from my father. Um, but he says, what put you in jail this time? And, and I want you to watch specifically how she relates to her mother and the problems her relationship with her mother has caused in her marriage. Watch this. So what put you in jail this time? Jake and his big fat mouth. Just a misunderstanding, that's all. Yeah, kind of like that wedding I paid for. I would hardly call that a wedding. Paul was nervous. He was still drunk from the night before. Can you blame him? Yes, I can. I went to the reception by myself with puke all down my dress while he slept it off in the travelage. And you're still siding with that? I'm not siding with anybody. The boys changed. You know what, can we just not talk about Jake? Okay. I know he's a son you never had, but I'm your only daughter, and maybe you want to know what's new with me. Okay. Shoot. I met somebody. And he's quite a catch. He's really a great guy. And I'm happy. Really. Come to Mama, sugar! Mama. Oh, good land of the living. You are skin and bones. Don't I get a smile? Well, you got one in there somewhere. Come on, come on. Let's not let all blood air out. Well, are you hungry? Sweetie, do you want me to reheat you some chicken fried steak? Oh, no, Mama. I'm fine. Sweetie, you look tired. Are you tired? Oh, you know what? Maybe it's the way you're wearing your hair now. You guys have really done a lot with the place. Would you listen to that accent? Yeah, won't you sit in my good chair? Your mama got me this Christmas before last. Oh, you mean the one where you guys were supposed to come visit me? I told you time and time again, it, it just didn't suit. Let me let me get you those tickets. Sit down, Annie. Sit down. Now watch this. I mean, isn't that quite the deal? There are hardly words. Jake tell you he's thinking of getting one? Oh, I see your priorities. Jake, jail, and then home. Mama, it was just unfinished business is all. Jake's doing all right. Boy's going places. Once upon a time, you were going places, too. Here are your tickets. These were a gift. I'd rather you guys just use them. You know what I can't understand is how y'all will visit every stupid battlefield in the continental U.S., but you can't manage to visit your only daughter. Well, the door swings both ways, sweetie. And anyway, don't get me started on the things I don't understand. Here we go. Mama, your dream for me was to get out of this place and be somebody. That's why you shoved me in every beauty pageant in the state. I'm just saying is all. What? 
What are you trying to say? I mean, just tell me what I can do to make you happy. Just make yourself happy, darling. Done. We're there. All right? You know, I've really made something of myself. I have a career. People actually want to be me. And somebody loves me, and I love him. Pearl, won't you get us some of that baloney cake out the icebox? Your mama's a complex woman. I'm going to bed. My question is, isn't every, and this is not a criticism, but isn't every woman a complex woman? Only the guys, again, the guys. No, no, that's not a criticism. They're, they're all complex, and there's so, so many things wrong in this relationship, and it impacts everything that Melanie does in her life. Well, I've got a verse for, for you from 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 18. It says this, Our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love which shows itself in action. So mom has not really shown Melanie love. Melanie has not shown mom love. Um, Jake, her husband, has not shown her love, and, and she's not showing him love. They, they may have said at one time they were loving one another, but they weren't proving it in action. So I hear people say, I love Haiti. And, and so I look at their life. If they ever say, I love Haiti, I look at their life. And if their life shows nothing where they're sacrificing for Haiti, you can't love Haiti. I love this. But if you're not doing anything for that, you don't love it. I hear people say, I love Jesus. And I look at their life. I look at their Facebook feed and there's nothing ever on there about Jesus. And I'm not saying you, you look at mine. The only thing I ever post is my family and something about the church family. I read a lot, but I look on your Facebook posts and I think you love Jesus. It sure seems there's other things that have higher priorities and that you love more. And there's stuff you're throwing out there that you shouldn't be throwing out there. I'm meddling. I know, I know I'm stepping into some stuff right now, but, but it makes me crazy. Um, our words should not be in love. If you love Jesus, there should be some evidence that you love Jesus and you shouldn't have to tell people I love Jesus. They should know it by the way you act. If you say you love new life and you never come to new life and you never do anything to help new life, you never sacrifice for new life, you do not love new life. If you, if I say I love Janie and I never do anything for or with Janie, it does not matter what my words say. My actions say I don't love her. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you aren't sacrificing for someone you say you love, you don't love them. You may say you do your words, you may call it love, but it's not love. Love means giving up giving up my ambitions, my preferences, my likes, my thing that I think is fun, my energy, my time for the benefit of somebody else. That's what love is. If you want to know what love is, Jesus Christ sacrificing himself on the cross. We know what love is because Christ showed us that love. He sacrificed it all. That's love. If you're not sacrificing, you're not loving. And now let me tell you a, um, a pet peeve of mine. And it's, it's excessive recreation without your spouse, right? I have my hobby. You have your hobby. One day you wake up and, and you don't even know the person in your house, your roommates. Maybe there's a goodbye kiss. Maybe there's not anymore because you're spending all this time apart. And one thing that really, really bothers me and the trend seems to be getting worse and worse all the time is guys night out and girls night out. I go out with my friends. You go out with your friends. This is my night. That is your night. I know people that actually keep score of how many nights you go out, how much time you have, how much time you spent. And people say, oh man, that's good for me. What's good for me is good for my marriage. So don't you be talking about my time. I'm going to spend my time how I want. That's good for my marriage. Well, let me tell you about three votes you get in marriage. Vote number one is what's good for you. 
Vote number two is what's good for your spouse. Vote number three is what's good for your marriage. Now, you'd better be voting for your marriage. And you ask this question. Actually, two questions. Does this build my marriage? Whatever the activity is, does it build my marriage? Or does it break my marriage? And you decide together. If one person says it builds my marriage, the other person says it breaks my marriage, it breaks your marriage. Your spouse has full veto powers. Thinking about this, you know, in the, in the UN, there's, a, there's five people, permanent members of the Security Council. If any one of them vetoes a resolution, they don't do the resolution. You and your spouse both, it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. So back in November, I was, I was at a conference in Austin. I was at a, a church conference, and, and Cameron, my, my pastor friend, said, hey, man, I'd like to go to Machu Picchu, and I'd like for you to go with me. And I said, dude, i got to call Janie. And so I called Janie, and I was very skeptical. I thought, you know, I, I can't be gone that long. I can't miss the church. I, I just don't want to do that. So, so I, said, I said, hey, what do you think about that? She goes, you should go. And I said, really? She goes, yes, that would be awesome. Now, you know, just to, and I said, well, I don't know. And so I told Cameron, I said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to Janie. So I came home, we prayed about it, we talked about it. Every day, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go, you need to go. And, and had she one time said, I don't know about that, I would not have gone. And Cameron knew that because she had full veto power. And it's not that, that um, I lose myself. We're partners. And, and if she had said, I don't feel comfortable with that, you don't need to go, I would have said, dude, I'm not going to go. It's because I believe that God can speak to me and very often does through my spouse to see if I'm listening. And very often God tells me things he doesn't tell Janie about Janie's life to see if she's listening. It's the way, it's why God calls the church a body. Nothing in this church, I mean, not everything comes from the pastor. Not everything comes from the board. Very many things that we do in this church came from somebody saying, hey, why don't we try this? I think we should do this. I think God's telling me this. And if you're not putting in your two cents worth, the church isn't all it could be. You're not serving. If you're not discussing things with your spouse, you're out from underneath God's authority. And so when you're out from under God's authority, you are also out from under his protection. I, if you come to me for counsel and you say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. The very first thing I will ask if you're married is what does your spouse say? And if you tell me they say something, I'm going to go to them separate. When you're not around, I'm going to say, tell me what you really believe. And then if they say, yes, I, I agree, then I come back and say, okay, then, 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 you know, you look at the scripture. If God's, if it's not against God's will, if it's something that God has prepared you to do before, God's not going to call you. God's not going to call me to do a sewing ministry in Haiti. You want to know why? The only thing I've ever sewed on is one button and it was crooked. God has not prepared me to do a sewing ministry in Haiti. But I think that God wants me to go back to, to Jock Mel maybe even do a, a medical mission trip. One of the things we're talking about is how to do a, a water well there. Um, the, the cheapest possible water well we could do is about $5,000. We don't even know because of where they are whether we could drill there. We'll have to get a site study. We've talked about maybe doing some um, some solar panels because they don't have power. When, when we have our generator there, they get to use our generator for their church services. They tried to use it on Tuesday night for their service and it didn't work. Wouldn't it be awesome to leave some things like that? Anyway, we're just praying about that. I want you to pray about those things. Everybody needs to put their uh, two cents in. If one says it builds and the other one says it doesn't, then you don't get to do it. So if, if, if how you fight is a huge predictor of divorce, let's learn how to fight fair. The Bible tells us how. First thing, take out the trash. I'm constantly amazed 
at how much trash my family produces twice a week. We're not just a once a week. We're a twice a week. Tuesdays and Fridays, trash day at the Washburn Oil in our neighborhood. We have some across-the-street neighbors. Their children are actually our age, mine and Janie's age. We, we know them. We know their children. We know their children's children. They have loved watching our kids. They watched them uh, crawl out on the, on the front yard. They watched them ride their tricycles, their bicycles, and they've watched them all, their, all our lives. In fact, Miss Doris will say, when's Rachel coming home? Because she knows when Rachel's gone to college and her car's not there. Rachel needs to come home. So we have these great friends across the street. Now, this is husband and wife. Their children are gone. Their children have been gone for years. Every day, twice a, a week, they put out one little white trash bag And in 22 years that I've lived across the street from them, I don't think I've ever seen that trash bag be full. We have at least 16 trash bags and they're overflowing and sometimes it takes three people to get it to the curb. I'm amazed. And then what's weird is because Janie likes to do it the night before. She doesn't want to wait. She doesn't want to listen for the trash truck. She doesn't want to be rushed on the day the trash truck comes. So we put it out the night before. Sometimes it's in a trash can. Sometimes it sits on top of the trash can. Sometimes we have storms and it blows our trash into my other neighbor's yard. Now, Miss Smith, and I'm not making fun of Miss Smith, but she has this voice, and you need to understand this voice. The phone will ring. I see it's Miss Smith. I know her phone number. And she'll go, Reverend Washburn. Because one time she said, what do your people call you? I said, Doug, and she won't call me that. She said, is it okay if I call you Reverend? Yes, ma'am. And so she said, Reverend Washburn. Yes, ma'am. Your trash is in my yard. Yes, ma'am. I will come pick it up. And so I trudge over, and I pick up my trash. Because here's what I've learned. And I think you understand this. Nobody wants your trash in their yard. Common sense, right? Unresolved conflict is trash in your marriage. And when you leave it unresolved long enough, that trash is going to spill and it's going to spill into other people's lives. Everybody's going to know about it. And people don't want your trash in their yard. So don't leave it unresolved. That's a problem. Now, Jesus was talking one day. And he'd been casting out demons. And the religious leader said, the only reason you're able to cast out demons is because you work for Satan. Now, again, going back to the Doug version of the Bible, I think Jesus looked at him and said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because then he says, this is what he says. Not in, I'm going to show you a different one. Hold it. In the, in the NIV says, Jesus says a house divided against itself cannot stand. So what he's saying is if Satan is going around fighting Satan, he's already defeated. You don't even have to worry about him. That's dumb. Now, in the Living Bible, we're going to apply this to your life, but here's what the Living Bible says about that verse, or it translates that verse. A home filled with strife and division does what? Destroys itself. Satan knows this. He plants little seeds. And if you leave them unresolved, eventually it's going to be so much trash in your relationship that one or both of you is just going to walk away. Now, in in our movie, Melanie and Jake have so much unresolved conflict that their marriage destroyed itself. But in true rom-com fashion, there's a little spark that keeps you going. And I'm not making fun of rom-coms. I I like rom-coms because my wife snuggles up next to me and and I know she's going to kiss me afterwards, right? So I'm I'm cool with it. Um, But I just can't watch rom-coms every time. Something's got to blow up. You know, something's something's got to be... Anyway... Uh, (laughs) In this next scene, Melanie has gone home and, and she's starting to have some feelings for home. And so she goes to the coon dog cemetery where the dog had died and she's talking to the coon dog. Jake walks up and I want you to watch 
the difference in this encounter and the one when she shows up and says, give me a divorce. Watch this. I just loved you. But you sat there wondering what you did wrong. I told him it was my fault. Quit being so nice. It's the truth. How come it has to be so complicated? What? Truth. Life. This. You look like you're having fun out there tonight. I'm happy in New York, Jake. But then I come down here and this fits too. Since when does it have to be one or the other? You can't have roots and wings, man. Maybe I could just fly south for the winter. Look. What? There, you see him? Lightning bugs. Only you. You know, I still go out there sometimes. I see those big thunderheads rolling in. It's like a religion. I had a dream about it the other night. You ever wonder what would have happened if we hadn't gotten pregnant? Jake. Just let me get this out before I came. I thought that baby had been an adventure. Me a while to realize it would have been your only adventure. I just guess Mother Nature knew better, huh? I'm so ashamed. Because I felt relieved. And all of a sudden, I just. We don't need to see that stuff. Uh, in my opinion, this is the turning point in the movie for three reasons. This isn't on your listening guide. I just I wrote this down actually afterwards. Jake was tender. He listened, and he connected with her. Ladies, that's that's pretty cool, right? Janie tells me it's the sexiest thing she's ever seen 
when I'm tender, when I listen, when I connect. And, and even if I'm tender and I listen to our children, I connect with our children, or now my grandson, Janie, I'll look up and she's giving me this look and I'm going, what did I do? And she goes, oh, it's good. You know, um, I like it. That's sexy. You're, you know, that type of deal. And you'd think after 26 years, I would figure this out, but, um, so different than their first encounter. And so they connect, and this is the turning part, and you, you know that eventually they, they get back to, together. Well, let me give you a verse right here. We're going to finish this up, a couple of quick things, but let me give you a verse here that's a great verse. Not a great verse to quote when you're in a fight. Don't do it. Don't do it. But it's a great verse. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. So see how you don't quote that in a... <laughs> don't quote God's word in the middle of a fight to hit somebody. When you're about to fight, or when you're in a fight and you're about to say something stupid, ask two questions. The first question is, should it be said? One of the things my wife likes is to come home to a clean house, specifically a clean kitchen, no no dishes in the sink. And so I could say, why do you care? What, what do you think? A burglar's going to break in and go, oh, they have dirty dishes in their sink. That Should it be said? No. <laughs> Rachel just started cleaning the other day. Before we went to Haiti, Rachel's in there sweeping because she knows her mama likes coming home to a clean house. You could say, um, why do you want this done? And she could say, I just want it done. You, and, and, and you say, well, I think you're psycho. Should that have been said? No. That's just a dumb man who says something like that. All right? Should it be said? If it shouldn't be said, don't say it. Now, second question is, should it be said now? Okay, so you're in a discussion, you're in maybe a heated discussion, you're talking about one topic, you get to talk about one topic at a time. You don't get to say, and by the way, stop it. No. I'm sorry, we're just not capable of dealing with a whole bunch of problems at once. You deal with one. If you come to celebrate recovery, you deal with one problem at a time until you get, until God gives you control over that, gives you victory over that, then you start on another one. You, you talk about, sure, there may be things you need to talk about, but it doesn't need to be talked about in the middle of a fight. You focus on one thing at a time. Um, some things need to be said, but not, not at the moment. Now, even if you follow these rules, you're still going to get in a fight. So let me give you some nevers for fighting some nevers, never call names unless it's your pet name, like Pookie bear or sugar lips. Um, Cameron at preteen retreat, preteen, oh my gosh, preteen retreat said, I call my wife sugar lips. Well, Stacy's sitting back there and I thought. I've never heard him say that. She goes, you have never called me sugar lips. And he goes, no, actually I call her Queen Stacy. And I have heard that one. I knew he called her that, but you don't, you don't get to call names. Second, never raise your voice. And some of you are like, well, if I don't raise my voice, he's not going to pay attention. I can't fix him. I said this a few weeks ago, you fix your dog. You don't fix your spouse. If you're raising your voice, nothing good is going to come from that. It means you're trying to take control. So step back, count to 10, count to 100, breathe in, sing a song, say a prayer, say 14 prayers, pray in tongues, whatever you have to do to taste your words and not raise your voice. Next is never get historical. Your man, I didn't say hysterical, I said historical. Your man will remember one time in 1962 that he didn't do what you just said he always does. And you got him off of the topic. Oh, no, 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 no. There's one time. 
9,000 times. I've done that, but there's one time, you know, you get off. So don't get historical. Never say never or always. It's the fastest way to be offensive because that's rarely true. There are times I think you always, and then, then before I say something, I think you sometimes, and then by the time God lets me filter it through, I go, there's a couple of times you've done this, right? It goes from always to you most of the, once or twice this has happened. That's so much easier to resolve. Never threaten divorce. That's a low blow. And it's immature. And all you're doing is planting seeds of insecurity that are going to grow. And then you're going to have a self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't do it. And then finally, never, never quote your pastor during a fight. I am out of this deal. Don't you say, well, Doug said, no, you got in the fight. You get out of it. Now, if your relationship's in trouble, if you're struggling, it didn't get in trouble overnight. It's not going to get out of trouble overnight. It's going to take some time. That's just the reality of life. Now, a lot of people think, well, I'm in this relationship. It's bad. It's not working. If I could get out of this relationship and get into another relationship, then I would be happy. But here's the problem. If you take you out of the present relationship, you put you in the new relationship, you take you with you into that relationship, and you are part of the problem. You're just going to repeat the problems in the next relationship. The truth is you're going to have to work hard. And so many people don't want to work hard. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to cost more to go through a divorce than it is to put great effort into your present marriage. Ask anybody who's gone through a divorce. It's not fun and it's costly. And some of you say, well, I don't love them anymore. And my response to that is, so what? You choose what you want to love. You choose what you don't want to love. You choose to love someone. You act in a sacrificial way for that person. The feelings will return. It's God's way. Would you bow your heads for a moment? I, I never know from Sunday to Sunday who's going to be here. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know that when God lays a, a message on my heart or Casey's heart or whoever stands up here and, and preaches... God always makes sure that, that somebody or maybe several somebodies who need to hear that message are there that day. My question is, are you listening? Not for what your spouse needs to hear or your mama needs to hear or your brother needs to hear. Are you listening today to what you need to hear? You can't change the other person. But with God's help, you can change you. Father, help us to understand who you created us to be and, and that you are the author of marriage. You are the perfecter of marriage. And if we want to do marriage right, we've got to follow your rules. Help us to look in the mirror of your word. Help us to look in a physical mirror and say, what is my part in this problem? And then God, I pray you would deliver some marriages today and in the days ahead. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.